Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode of AFK is brought to you by Linode, our cloud server of choice. Starting is easy. Servers start at just $5 a month. You can choose your flavor of Linux, then pick a location that's right for you. London, Tokyo, Dallas, anywhere in the world, they've got you covered. Go from having that amazing shower idea to a hosted website in minutes. You can start small and expand as your idea blossoms into a hit. Get the most out of your Linode with great add-ons like backups, block storage, DNS management, built in and professional services to help you migrate sites or even perform more complex sysadmin tasks. Head to linode.com slash changelog and get $20 in hosting credit. That's four months free. Once again, linode.com slash changelog. Changelog Media, this is Away From Keyboard, a show exploring the human side of creative work. I'm Tim Smith. Applying a label to the vast range of talent and skill Jeremy Fuchsa possesses is just unfair. He's a designer, developer, video editor, podcaster, and well, the list goes on. Throughout the years, he's hosted several podcasts, which he says always seem to have personal and creative angst at their core. But this February, Jeremy, together with Paul Armstrong, started a show that explores their anxieties on a whole other level. The show is a heartwarming, refreshing, and a, holy crap, I felt that way too, lens into the lives of Jeremy and Paul. Unfortunately, being able to commiserate means having to go through less than ideal situations. And Jeremy says it started with his struggling business. The last couple of years were, were difficult for me. Um, I, I decided that I had always wanted to try to go out on my own and run my own business. And, and I did that for, for three years. The first year was, was a gangbuster. Uh, the second year was, was okay. And then the, the third year was just nail-bitingly frightening. And mm. so a big part of kind of where the, the show came from was, of course, that anxiety. Uh, but then to just put it bluntly, I mean, during, during that last year, couldn't afford to have health insurance. And so any anxiety or depression medication that I had been on, uh, I was no longer on. And so I was just kind of free floating and I needed to figure out a way to help myself feel better in lieu of chemistry. And so, uh, you know. Paul and I had had tried starting a a show a few years ago, uh, and then we got we got busy and it, and it just never never really took off. And finally, we just made a uh, made a concerted effort to make it happen. And so that's how Uncle Weepy's Depression Dungeon got started. It just kind of became a way for us to examine our own. You know, some some people may, might say that it's a, a way for us to examine our own middle aged white man privilege, but uh, it, it you know it, it really did come from that come from that place of of a little bit of uh, self healing, you know, to try to just kind of kind of talk out what's bugging you. Why do you feel that it was so important for you to go on your own and try this for yourself? 
Um, really for no other reason than I just needed to know whether or not I could. Yeah, I had I had seen so many people and knew so many people through uh, our extended network that we know, uh, whether it be Twitter people or just design community or, or any of those things. And I and I saw all these people who were making a life for themselves. I wouldn't say that I necessarily just flat out envied them. I realized that their life was a, a life of hard work and it wasn't just that they were uh, internet famous web designers that just the money <laughs> rolled in and and they got to blog and and podcast every once in a while. I knew there was real work behind it, uh, but I just wanted to to know if if I too could make that make that happen for myself. And, and honestly, in the end, even though uh, even though that last year of doing it was was really rough, I will say, yeah, I I think that I was able to do it for myself because I made it I made it three years. And so I kind of did a lot of things backwards in in so many ways. And so so it was a it was a valuable lesson and and one that I won't say ended in failure because I learned a whole lot out of the process and I did get what I wanted out of it. And, you know, that was the knowledge of knowing that I could do it if I wanted to and and who knows if I would want to do it again in the future? I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I need to get a few years of distance <laughs> between me and, and this past uh, experience before I would before I would uh, entertain that idea again. But it was it was definitely what I needed. I, I got what I wanted out of it. I feel that it's such a good sign from from you and 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 possibly the growth that you've gone through with this particular experience that you say that you don't look back on it as a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I very easily could because by all, you know, all accounts and purposes, anybody who walks away from a freelance job to go back and get a regular old day job that seems like on paper, it's a failure, but I just, I just don't, I don't see it that way. And I don't feel that it's, I'm being myopic. It's just, you know, again, um, I set out to do what I plan to do. And so that was that was enough for me at this point. Do you feel that as creative professionals, we compare ourselves too much to other people? Constantly. Yes. And that's kind of like the genesis of some of this stuff, because at least personally, I always dreamt of being my own boss because I saw other people doing it w without really understanding the, the realities of when you are your own boss, you're no longer just a designer. You're no longer just a developer, whatever it is that you're doing. You're now that plus bookkeeper, plus yeah. accountant, plus, you know, marketing, plus all of these other headaches that come along with owning your own business and running it. Oh, yeah. Yes. As far as as far as comparing yourself to others that's been in my blood my entire career. I mean, I can I can think of I can think yeah. of times early on in my career where I where I was working in agencies with uh, with other people and uh, looking over people's shoulders, seeing what kind of what kind of work they were doing, and just being completely envious of the fact that they were doing this this great work that I felt was just not in me. Uh, not true, 
uh, by by any stretch of the imagination. If I would just sat down a, and applied myself, maybe just that ten percent harder than what I was doing at the time, I could certainly have done just as good of a job as any of these people that I was looking at. But it, you know that that idea of imposter syndrome comes into it a lot when you're comparing yourself to what you see other people doing. I, I'm looking at what they're doing, and, it, and it's fantastic. And and whether or not other people might be looking at your own stuff and going, man, that guy is really good, or that that girl is really great at what she does, uh, the person with imposter syndrome feels, you know, any moment now, I'm going to be found out for the fraud that I am, and everybody's going to know that I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm just I'm just randomly throwing stuff around on a screen, and every once in a while, it sticks. And so, you know, I, there's there's a great amount of that in in any creative field. And there's a great amount of that in any creative professional, whether they want to admit it or not. I think what's so fascinating about you too, is the fact that you, your skill set is so incredibly diverse. Yeah. It's kind of nice. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the typical job just isn't made for you. That is very true. So yes, I have spent my I have spent my career kind of being this this jack of all trades for a while. Uh, it was really hot to call myself a creative generalist. Uh, I I began my career with video editing and visual effects, and so a lot of my a lot of my first few years was spent entirely doing television commercials. Uh, so, so I have, I have a heavy video background and just happened to be also the one guy at whatever agency I was working at that, that knew how to work with the web. And, uh, and so 15 years ago, I, I decided that I needed to probably either be really good at one or the other. And so I decided to go with the web, but I've always had this, I've always had this diverse, uh, set of, of being able to work with the web, uh, design for the web with a, with a video editor and and animators eye. And so, you know, that and that worked pretty well when when Flash was big. And but but still, so there were all there were always these these jobs that just never quite fit quite right. Or I would get places and they would find out that I had this this weird hybrid unicorny kind of uh kind of <laughs> background and skill set and yeah. they would start making up job titles for me and throwing me into these into these jobs where I could do a little bit of video and a little bit of after effects and a little bit of web and and a little bit of print design and a little bit of this and so you know I was always constantly busy and so that for the longest time was for sure my number one strength I could go in anywhere and say you know I I'm this guy that that can do all these crazy things uh, all the all the rest of these people are really really good at one thing, and they may be like the best that they are at one thing. I'm maybe not the best at any one given thing, but I'm pretty good at about seven things. And so and so that became that became really my my big calling card. Uh, fast forward to let's say three years ago, uh, the epiphany came to me that. All creative professionals kind of come out of the box right now or or figuratively speaking, come out of the womb that way. There's <laughs> nothing there's nothing special about me anymore in in terms of of that wide array of skill because it's so 
innate in any young professional that has that has grown up with within you know the last 15 20 years because with huge leaps in in technology you know they they've got the ability to edit video because it's always been you know whether it's windows movie maker or iMovie or any of the, you know these tools have been available to them whereas they were some some specialized piece of equipment before and right. so, uh, you know, with with the advent of that, with the advent of amazing cameras and iPhones, uh, and and so on and so forth, what what used to be my my number one strength is just table stakes for for a creative professional these days. It seems, and so that was a that was another that was another really big uh, anxiety and inducing moment of just of just realizing, well, okay, you know. My my time has has come and gone as being this this elusive thing. What is that? What does that realization make you personally feel about yourself? Uh, well, cynically, I could say, well, I've had a good run, <laughs> you know, but yeah. well, it makes me feel in, in a lot of in a lot of ways, it makes me feel super grateful. I won't say regret. I do not regret it. I, I think that having that that weird windy path is what held me back from those those milestones that I felt that I was supposed to have in the marketing and advertising industry because I I was I was too busy you know exploring what was going on over here and then let's go see what's going on over here on on the on the east coast of creativity and let's go see what's going on down in the archipelago of video and you know and so on and so forth somehow I fell backwards into this perfect storm of opportunities that created a very very unique path for me through throughout the last you know 23 years and so i'm I'm super grateful for that coming up jeremy talks to me about not being able to afford health insurance how he knew something needed to change and what he did to feel better What's up, AFK listeners? Adam Stachowiak here, Editor-in-Chief of Changelog. If you've been enjoying Tim's exploration of the human side of creative work, you'll probably love our show, Founders Talk. Founders Talk features stories from founders, CEOs, and makers about their journey, their lessons learned, and the behind the scenes of building and running their company. Here's a preview of Pia Mancini, co-founder and CEO of Open Collective. She's sharing some of the struggles of being a mother and a startup founder. The first few months are absolutely hard, so super challenging, you know? They need your attention, they can't walk, they can't do anything for themselves. And, you know, you're trying to keep doing, but then also, you know, doing your responsibility as a parent. And it's just like, you know, it's just probably the most challenging challenging parts of a parent's life is is those first, you know, six months to nine months of the yeah, child's life. For sure. But it also it also gives you um, an extra energy, like an extra I don't know creativity. I don't know if it's the hormones or what, but it's like you have that. You know, you, you go into a yeah, you go into a different gear. Like yeah. You just you just keep pushing forward. I don't know. There's something that kind of makes you um, yeah, just shift gears into that extra thing, and and you can and you can do it. Also, you. What I found mostly with um, motherhood is I don't have time for BS, essentially, like at all. Like because I don't have, I have very little time to waste or to spare. So you become, at least I became really good at saying no to things 
and just really cutting, you know, cutting loose things or, or, or situations or people that just, yeah, I didn't, just didn't have time. It made me much more focused because the time I have away from my daughter is like, I'm doing this, right? Otherwise I'm with her. So Founders Talk is all about in-depth, one-on-one conversation with founders and makers. If you dig that, learn more and subscribe at changelaw.com slash founders talk. From ChangeLog Media, this is Away From Keyboard. I'm Tim Smith. In the third year of his business, Jeremy couldn't afford health insurance, which meant he'd have to come off medication in a time when he'd need it the most. I know I'd be terrified, and Jeremy was pretty scared too. It's pretty frightening. Luckily, over over uh, the five to seven years prior to that, you know, I had, I had always taken... Well, I won't say always, but at least since I was in college, I mean, it's it's been you know a good almost thirty years um, antidepressants, and over the over the five to seven years prior to to stopping taking any medicine, I through doctors' visits and 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 so on and so forth, kind of started figuring out that it really wasn't so much that I battled with depression as much as I battled with anxiety that would occasionally lead to depression. And so, uh, you know, a couple of years before I, I made that decision to stop the medication, I had gotten off of a antidepressant that if I would have just stopped cold turkey would have been really, really bad because uh, it had a lot of withdrawal side effects and things like that. And so what I was, what I was on was really more anti-anxiety medication. And so I was afraid of, you know, what kind of side effects or withdrawal symptoms might I have. Uh, luckily, there, there were none of that. But I was just, mostly I was super anxious and scared about the fact that I was having to stop this medication at a time when I felt like I really needed it the most because I was in a very anxious and uncertain period. And so, you know, I just wasn't sure how I was going to get through. Yeah, I've got I've I've got a great family, a fantastic wife, two great boys, you know, I've got a great support system. I wasn't I wasn't worried about uh going off the deep end or anything like that, but I just was I just was worried about being healthy. Uh, health, you know, healthy to the point where I was, you know, continuing to make decent eating choices or continuing to eat or, you know, or, you know, or any of those type or any of those types of things. And so there was, there was a lot of uncertainty about that, that I, that I worried about. Uh, and, and yeah, there were, there were some, some moments when, uh, the anxiety roiled up and, you know, was was telling me that that I I, I can't do this. I'm stupid, and and uh, I should have never tried to make this business work in the first place. Or I don't know the first thing about design, or any of those any of those crazy things that anxiety tries to tell you. And uh, and 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 they were rough. And you just kind of have to figure out alternative ways to do something about it. And so took some walks. Uh, Tried to get a little more into mindfulness, uh, you know, just uh, meditation. Uh, the 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 breathe app on on the Apple Watch is is kind of a lifesaver in moments like that. Just whatever I could do to to subside that anxiety, and 
it would never go away completely, but it, but it, but it was, but it was, it was at least enough to where I could go, okay, you know, this has, this has passed for now. Uh, we can, we can move forward and I know it'll be back again, but knowing that it will also go away again. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot to, it was a lot to work with during that time, but it was just something that, you know, frankly, I just had no choice in the matter at, at, at the moment. What was your wife's reaction to all this? Honestly, it caused a lot of anxiety in her, uh, to the point where I, I started getting a little more worried about her than me because she was, she was always the person that has always been, has always been super strong. She's, you know, very level headed. She, she's an attorney. So, you know, I mean, she, she's got a, she's got a certain mindset and her mind works a certain way and is very rational and, and things like that. And then when I started seeing a lot of my irrational anxiety kind of mirroring back at me, I got, I got a little worried about all that. Um, and so, you know, it was just the, the stress of, of the situation. It also helped us out a lot, I think, because over the years in our relationship, she has really tried to be very empathetic about anxiety and depression. And, you know, she knows something's wrong, but she also knows that absolutely nothing is wrong. And she would just have no frame of reference for that. And she would try to be empathetic. And, and try to understand, but she just, there was just no way that she could. And so I think she got a little window into that in, in those last few months. It gave some insight. And I think that it really helped deepen a lot of understanding about kind of when Jeremy gets a, l- a little off some days, there's, you know, sometimes there's just no reason for it and it'll go away and it'll be okay. How, how do you, uh, no, let me let me start that again. I don't want to say survive because that's not the word that that I think goes there. But um, and I don't think it's overcome either because you don't because you know I I suffer of anxiety too, and I don't think anxiety is something that you ever overcome. Right. You know, I think it's something you learn to live with uh, with as time goes by, but it's not something you overcome. But but I feel that there are times where you're feeling better than you're. So maybe I'll ask you that. What do you feel made you feel better? Well, the the easiest answer was that I finally decided I needed to shut down my my freelance business, go back to work somewhere, get some health care and get back on my medicine. I mean, that's you know, that's that's the short answer to it. But when I was trying to formulate that plan, because, you know, that's not a that's not a plan that necessarily happens overnight. Uh, you know, it took me probably a good three to six months to, to find, to find something. Um, just, just knowing that it's, that it's, it's, it's going to get better. It will get better. The word I would say is kind of transcending that anxiety, maybe riding through that flow, getting to the other side to be able to work on the next thing. Uh, having, having some faith to, to fall back on is, is, is good. Uh, you know, and, and that idea of stopping the, the freelance business had been something that had crept in at least a year ago, but it was something that I, that I, I wanted to deny because, because it was at that point, I, in the thick of it, I did feel at that point that, well, if I do shut it down, then I am a failure. And so that acceptance of, 
the fact that I did do the things that I set out to do and that if I did shut it down, it wouldn't be a failure. That was step one. And so after realizing that, then it was then it became a lot easier to say, okay, what is this plan going to look like? How how does this uh, how does this work? Where do we go? What are we going to do? What kind of what kind of work do you want to go back and do? You know, do you want to try to find uh, another one of those crazy unicorn jobs? Because that's probably <laughs> going to be really, really hard to do now. So what's one of the skills that you have that you feel like you're strongest in and you feel like you could make some difference in the world? And so then I, you know, just kind of formulated a plan and went from there until I until I finally got into a job and got that health care back and <laughs> got back on the medication. You know, it, it's interesting because I, I feel that that is that is the hardest part when 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 you're depressed. I think everything is such a fog that getting through that fog to what you're talking about of finally making a plan and, and acting on it is so difficult and feels so far away. Um, and I, I'm, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that you were able to do that. So let's move on to the, to that last part that you just said that you got a job. I think I got, yeah, I got a job. And you started like, I want to say a month ago, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. LinkedIn says I've been there two months, <laughs> but um, I, I don't think I've been there that long. I, I've been there just a little bit over a month, a month and a half. Uh, and how's it yeah. going? It's, it's going very well. Uh, I've, I've moved out of the advertising and marketing industry altogether and have gone into healthcare information technology and software that, uh, that revolves around that. And so it's a really wildly different, uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a big difference in, in making a website that sells a hamburger and, uh, coming up with a software that, that helps, uh, doctors save lives every day. Uh, because I mean, you know, that, that was one of the things that, that I used to say back in the advertising days is, you know, whenever we're working on something and people we're overthinking something or, or just, you know, really honestly sweating something a little too hard that just didn't need to be, need to be sweated. I was like, look, we're not saving lives here. And (laughs) now I'm now, now I'm in a job where the products that I help build actually do save lives. And so, um, that's kind of a wild thought. It's, it's a very humbling thought. But at the same time, it's 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 overwhelming because there is so much that I know that I don't know. Um, but yeah, I and so I have, you know, I've, I've specialized now. And so now I am just working strictly in user experience. However, at the same time, they realize that I have a little bit of a unicorn background. <laughs> and so and so I still am doing a teeny weeny bit of coding and things like that. So I'm 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 keeping it real, keeping it, you know, varied as I have throughout my career, but I am specializing a lot more than what I used to. What, what do you feel like you've learned from these past few years? Uh, flexibility was key. Humility, probably even more than flexibility. Everybody is absolutely right when they say, do not start a business unless you have at least six months worth of savings. You know, <laughs> they're not joking. Uh, you know, I, I always felt that I was, that I was pretty good at, at communicating, accepting feedback, giving feedback, collaborating, 
those types of things. I realized that I was not as good at that as I as I really truly thought that I was because that was certainly that was something that uh, for the most part had always been walled off from me. Empathy, you know, I, I've always been a pretty empathetic person, but it it was easier to it was easier to empathize in a in a larger range of things than than what I was able to before the the flexibility that that everybody craves for being your own boss you know the, the ability to go do whatever you want whenever you want it's a little overrated well a perfect example was my parents were incredibly generous and for christmas last year they bought my family and my sister's family a trip to Disney World, and we went to Disney World over Memorial over Memorial Day and the and the week after that. And you know, it was a great time with the family. You know, imagine I mean, you're in the happiest place on earth, and I think that I probably was never more stressed out and anxious than I was on that vacation solely for the reason that if I'm taking seven days off, I'm not working, which means I'm making zero income. And honestly, that was really, that was really the moment where I was like, dude, this isn't sustainable. I mean, I should be having the time of my life and yes, I'm having fun, but I should not be caring anything about the things that I'm caring and worrying about right now. And, and that was when I, that was when I really had that big epiphany that something needed to change. That's Jeremy Fuchsa. Find his podcast with Paul Armstrong at uncleweepy.show. AFK is edited and mixed by me, Tim Smith. The stellar beats are from the one and only Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Smith Timmy Tim on Twitter. You can find the show at AFK underscore show. Thank you to our sponsor, Lino. Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more about them at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers, head to linode.com slash changelog. Assuming you're loving this show, go rate, review, or recommend it wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send me a letter or suggest someone for the show, send an email to afk at changelog.com. I'm Tim Smith, and this is Away From Keyboard. I'm Nick Nisi. This is K-Ball. And I'm Rachel White. We're panelists on JS Party, a community celebration of JavaScript and the web. Every Thursday at noon central, a few of us get together and chat about JavaScript, Node, and topics ranging from practical accessibility to weird web APIs. I feel like there's a deep-seated fear in the development community to do with just time zones, dates in general, and I feel that JavaScript, the language itself, has already set us up to fail. And you know, the, the reason why things like moment and date functions are such popular libraries is that yeah. you really do have very scant sort of support for doing anything um, productive with dates in JavaScript. Join us live on Thursdays at noon central. Listen and Slack with us in real time or wait for the recording to hit. New episodes come out each Friday. Find the show at changelog.com slash JS party or wherever you listen to podcasts.